Fox News alert millions of American families. Yeah, Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for CBS News. I'm George Thomas. We begin with the latest. Here at St. John's Baxville, there are certainly a lot of factors here at the LAPD. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for CBS News. Watch on George Thomas. We begin with the latest in the coronavirus pandemic. Number of cases here in the U.S. to liberty live and i'm joined by adam feller of oh there it goes notifications already adam feller of the davis county libertarian party how you doing adam i'm doing great thanks for having me on how you doing oh not too bad you know it's been a busy day a uh, bunch of tech issues at uh at work you know it's uh, always that's great always working fun. remote yeah so yeah, that's that's the new world we live in right yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I would almost uh, rather be out dealing with some of the other crazies in the world than dealing with all this tech issues and then getting blamed for it. Right. <laughs> I work in IT. So, you know, a lot of times it's it's a lot of IT guys kind of, you know, you kind of want to deal with the machines instead of the people. No. But I, I got to say, I, 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 I kind of miss dealing with the people. So I, I'm looking forward yeah. to getting back to normal. Oh, I'm, well, at this point, what is normal? Who knows? You know, the, these past couple of years, two and a half years, is just, I don't know, destroyed any sense of uh, normalcy, in my opinion. Yeah, our civilization has definitely been rocked to its core. Um, yeah. You know, and who would have seen it coming? Uh, it's, 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 been, it's been wild. Uh, some things I never thought I would see, uh, they're just yeah. kind of happening every day now. Yeah, and it's it's just normal. Uh, everyone's just supposed to deal with it. Like it's just nothing, you know. Right, right, right. I I feel like I, you know, I want everything to go back to normal, but you know, in, in the meantime, it's like you know, I feel like I need to mourn what we've lost. Uh, <laughs> you know, in case we never get it back, I I, I really hope, and I, I think we will get it back. Um, I think people are turning a corner. I think things are. Are looking up. I think people have had enough of the of the BS, and um, I mean, I think there's still stragglers who are going to want to hold on because um, I think they found something of an identity. Um, oh yeah, over the last two years, and and that's their that's their their new persona, and they want to hold on to it. But I ju I just don't think that most of us are going to go along with it for much longer. Yeah, I can definitely agree. It well, it, it was pointed out to me that so a, a lot of people typically feel somewhat helpless in their lives. And then as soon as this like mask thing, social distancing came around, it gave everybody a taste of power and uh, nobody handled it well. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely it's a it's the illusion of control. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like. Yeah, it's, it's it's been you know we 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 strive for control in our lives, and that's understandable. I mean, you know, life's a 
a roller coaster um, and you want something you can grasp onto. And I think, you know, with the masks and the vaccines and all the mandates and, you know, I can tell you how to live and, and it just shows how good a person I am. I think that really, again, that gave people that, that, uh, illusion and, and in a time of such fear, which, you know, the, the virus did scare, you know, it scared a lot of people and oh, yeah. it's, 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 it's been a, it's been a, a big thing and not only fear of the virus itself, but fear of the government, uh, the government response to it. And so there's, there's been a lot of fear. And whenever there's a lot of fear, people grasp for control. And I think that's what a lot of people are, have been holding on to. And, and, and some people still are, are stubbornly holding on to it. Yeah. For whatever reason, I mean, I, I I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure everyone, uh, fell for this whole thing at a certain point. Um, sure. I think it was pretty reasonable, especially when, I mean, information's hard to come by anyways, but then uh, when everything's so crazy and new and nobody knows what's going on. Right. Like it it just seemed so wild. Uh, But it kind of seemed like uh, the longer it went on, you know, uh, it seemed more and more apparent that this wasn't about health and safety. (laughs) It was uh, definitely more control. Exactly. And I mean, now, now we see things like, uh, any anything going on in Canada, Australia, you know, and it's like, no, 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 no. Those those aren't concentration camps. They're they're wellness centers. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 very Orwellian the 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 terms that we apply to these things that you look at them and we can see what they are. We can yeah. see what they are. And and I mean we're not we're not stupid and we're not completely ignorant of history. We can see the parallels and and yeah, you know, do do I think that Australia is exactly like Nazi Germany? No, I don't think that. Uh, but man, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I see things going that way and I don't like it. And I think it's up to us to uh, people who are liberty minded to really speak out and, and be, the, be the canary in the coal mine and say, look, we're not going down the right path. And uh we need to turn back. Well, and what was so concerning to me um, just out of the gate was how willing everyone was to just give up their liberty oh, just yeah. without question. And it, it got to the point and is even still at the point with some people to where, I mean, you mentioned liberty or freedom or uh, anything. You, you say the word honk honk and all of a sudden you're a white supremacist. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I was, I was seeing something. I didn't, I didn't read it all. I, 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 you know, I usually try to get the gist of what I'm reading whenever it's, it's something coming from the, uh, from the woke left. And it, it was something to the effect of like the term Liberty um, is, is now uh, wrapped up in uh, white supremacy. And it's like, what? Well, of course. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that if you went back to like 18, 1865, and asked, you know, the the newly released slaves if, if that's what they thought. I, I I doubt that would be uh, what they what they thought. Uh, yeah. liberty, liberty is something precious. It's something that is the birthright of every human being. And um, you know, we're not going to shy away from embracing it and saying that it's 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 our number one uh, value. It's, it's yeah. the thing that that sets us apart. It allows us to prosper. 
that allows us to cooperate and achieve great things, that allows us to uh, resolve our differences peacefully. It's just the, uh, it's, it's the most beautiful philosophy in the history of the planet. And we're not going to give it up, no matter how many uh, unpopular labels you slap on it. Yeah, exactly. And I view it as the most important virtue. Um, there, there's another side to liberty that most people don't talk about, and that's the ability to fail. And it's, right. it, it seems cold hearted on the surface, you know, it's a, you know, dog eat dog world or whatever. And it, it's like, that's not inherent necessarily. So if you choose to look at it that way, I'm kind of more curious about why you're looking at things so negatively. Right. But right. the ability to fail is almost synonymous with liberty in itself. Right. You know, and, and liberty is not some kind of utopia um, magic world where it's, you know, it's all unicorns and rainbows. That's not, that's not what liberty is going to be about. People are going to fail whenever you're, you're in a free society. Um, and that's a good thing because we learn more from failures than we do from successes. I think about all the failures I've had in my life. Um, I've learned a lot more than that, than the times that I've, you know, succeeded or, you know, um, achieved things. Uh, so uh, I think that's the way we as a society and we as individuals get better. You know, we, we do things wrong. We learn, okay, that doesn't work. How can we do it better? And we figure it no. out. Well, and that 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 uh, brings me to one of my uh, most loved and hated words of all time, and that's fair. Oh, I, I I think fair is just such a lie to everything. Yeah, and it's uh, I, I think it's really interesting watching kids use the word fair. Oh, sure, and yeah. and, and how they apply it to things, and it's like, well, may, maybe that might work in a kindergarten class or you know, early elementary school, but, uh, for the most part, there's no such thing as fair. I can tell you as a father of, of three boys, um, they don't really use the, that's not fair argument anymore because <laughs> I just, I just shut it down. I'm like, they're like, that's not fair. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, <laughs> I, um, you know, that, that's life. And, um, you know, I, I think whenever we talk about things like fairness or equality, I think I think to the extent that we that we have a state, and I think like you, I'm 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 an anarcho-capitalist. I want to uh, pare the government down, uh, really, to to non-existence. But to the extent that we have a a government, um, you know, while we still have one, yes, uh, equal treatment and you know, fair treatment under the law. Yeah, that's something that we should strive for. Uh, but in terms of like the marketplace and, and real life in the in the private sector and in our personal lives, yeah, fair is just something, it's it's a myth. It's it's something it's something that that like you said, children believe in. No. Uh, it's it's a fairy tale. Well I mean Santa's more believable, you know. Sure. Bring, yeah. brings me a lot more joy at this point in my life than uh, right. the, the word fair. Right. Um, I, I do find it kind of interesting though, because it's, it's such a, a focal point of what, what people call leftists. Um, 
I, I do think uh, calling them the left is a, a, a little disingenuous. You know, I, I think there are still uh, left-leaning people out there that actually do, you know, enjoy their country, uh, want to see people helped, but don't want to burn everything down to the ground uh, to be able to get it, to make everyone equally poor and miserable. Yeah, I, th- I think we saw. I think we saw that over the last two years. I, I was amazed myself. Just, you know, the people that I started following and I was agreeing with on Twitter, and I would, I would look at them and I'd be like, I remember you from a year ago, and I never would have thought that we'd be on the same page about anything. But no, there's some very principled left, you know, leftists out there who, uh, yeah, they're they're on the same. They're on the right side of the most important issue of our day, um, no. which is the authoritarian uh, takeover of our civilization. And, um, you know, I, I've often said it's like this realignment. Um, and I think you, I think you saw that in the election of, uh, of 2020, where you had basically all the bad guys uh, kind of line up <laughs> yeah. behind Biden, you know, it was, it was all of a sudden the, the, the military establishment, the, the, um, you know, big business, the banking cartels that, you know, they, they all, you know, all of the, the old power institutions and big tech, you know, new power institutions, they, they all lined up everyone who wields that kind of uh, social political power, they all kind of lined up on one side. Um, And, you know, through, throughout this pandemic, we've seen kind of that on the other side too, where we're libertarians and, uh, constitutional freedom-minded uh, conservatives and liberals have have kind of kind of come together, and yeah. you realize, yeah, there's there's going to be some you know, <clears throat> once we get through all this. There's still going to be some pretty big disagreements when it comes to you know economy and 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 justice and things like that. Uh, but on the biggest issue of the day um, that we're facing right now, like I said, I think we've seen this this huge realignment. And it's, it's something of a white pill for me. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Ultimately, I think I'm white pilled on most everything. Um, I mean, you see uprisings all over the world and it, this isn't just like a occupy wall street either. They're like, this is not going away. Right. And, uh, I mean, the trucking convoy is now starting here in the States, uh, mm-hmm. which I find interesting. The, uh, the National Guard is supposedly supposed to uh, meet them in Washington, you know, where they built a wall around the White House. But, you know, walls are racist right. and don't work. Right. So, yeah, that's the that's 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 surely the symbol of a free society, right? Where the where the uh, the king's palace is is surrounded by a wall to keep the peasants out. That's, yeah, and men with guns guarding the border, right. you know, right. Yeah, that's, that's that's exactly what I think of when I think of of uh, a free country. Yeah. So I, I have this idea uh, because in, in general, I, I do believe that most everyone may, maybe doesn't deserve respect, but should have the ability to earn respect. But I, I do, I've met many people that are just so, so wrapped up in the narrative or just talking points I just don't see any hope saving them. And I I've taken to the liking of uh, mocking them and 
just pointing out hypocrisy and hoping that somebody who's like on the fence will see it and just be like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of right about that. That, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, no. And I, I agree. I mean, I, I guess I kind of, I kind of think that respect can come on multiple levels. And I think that I'm going to, I'm going to show respect to everyone. Right. Uh, there's a, there's a certain modicum of respect. I'm going to show to everyone right out of the gate. You know, I'm not going to just, Oh, you disagree with me. So, you know, you're, you're just this dumbass, and, and I think you're stupid no. and I'm just not going to respect you. Uh, I think you can lose respect real quick, you know, and people who are, who are so wrapped up in that narrative and just, you know, their, their minds are just closed off. They're going to lose my respect really quickly. And then of course I'll have greater respect for those people who, who, um, you know, do something, who achieve something or, or, or do something, you know, that that's, that's really out of the normal and, or, and um, that really impressed me. I'll have, I'll have more respect. So I think respect can, can exist on, on, on kind of a gradient and, and, uh, and different levels. Uh, but yeah, people who are, who are just wrapped up in the whole narrative and, you know, how you treat them, that, that it becomes this whole different thing. You know, I know as far as me, like, um, how you treat people who are in your family. Uh, cause I have relatives who are totally wrapped up in, in this, this whole thing. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're not going to, I'm not going to convince them. They're not going to convince me, uh, but I still value the relationship. Yeah. And so it's not like, I'm just going to like deep six things and just, you know, and write, write them off. You know, they're still, they're still family. They're still friends. I still love them. I still want, you know, I still want the best for them. And so, you know, navigating that is, is particularly tricky. And then, you know, but with like, uh, uh, you know, people you just bump into, you know, on, in the Twitterverse or, or, or wherever, I'm kind of like you, I, I think no. just, it, it just becomes like a mocking thing. And I'm just, you know, I, I take this position of like, yeah, well, you know, you should, you should keep triple masking and stay in your house and, and don't come out until it's all over. Don't come out until there's not a single more, <laughs> until there's a single you know, until we have zero COVID, don't ever come out. Just don't show your face. And exactly. I think, we'll all, I think we'll all get along just fine if you do that. <laughs> we'll we'll let you know when it's right. safe to come yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah just stay in there. It'll, it'll be fine. And you know, there's there's some part of me that uh, like I don't know if pity is the right word because in this day and age, ignorance is a choice. And it is so part of me does feel bad because I, I can only imagine how uh, terrible of an existence that must be to just constantly be scared. Yeah. Um, also, and from the outside looking in thinking uh, that everything the government does is good oh, or that they, yeah. they, that they support you and actually care about you. And it's like, did, did anyone forget about how Dr. Fauci uh, killed a bunch of gay people with experimental drugs in the eighties. Right. Right. And this is yeah. the guy we're supposed to listen to. Like where, where's the LGBTQ community, you know, pushing back on him about that. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, the guy's a mad, the guy's a mad scientist and he he's lost any credibility that I thought, you know, before, you know, at the very beginning, sure. I was like, well, I, this guy seems like he's the expert. So I guess we ought to, we got to listen to what he has to say, but over time, it's just kind of like, how many times can he go back on his story or be proven not just wrong, but just like willingly lying. Yeah. And, and for folks that are, 
that are still just, you know, Fauciists, I'm like, how much evidence has to be piled up before you start to think, well, maybe, maybe he's not, you know, maybe he's not St. <laughs> Anthony. Maybe he's, yeah. maybe he's actually a piece of shit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I should get rid of my, uh, Fauci, ouchy, pouchy, carrying my Vax card and, uh, right. you know, open my eyes a little bit, crawl out of the cave. Right. You know, I, I look at the cult of personality around him and, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I would, it's like something I would, I would like make up. Like if I was doing like a reducto ad absurdum just to just <laughs> kind of say, oh, but I can't go anywhere with it because it's already so ridiculous. I can't make it more ridiculous than it is when I want, when I want to mock them. It's they've already gone there. Yeah, exactly. Which I do think brings a, an interesting spin on our society. Uh, specifically what I mean is that comedy, I, I think has always had a special place in uh, fighting against certain narratives and um, exposing certain truths that maybe we don't realize, or we don't want to talk about. And uh, you you look at uh, publications like the Babylon Bee, mm-hmm. yeah, and they they're almost just predicting things at this point, right? And it's right. like how how ridiculous can you get to yeah. where somebody could be like, oh no, that 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 couldn't happen, right? Yeah, and and you can see, I mean, you can see why it's under attack. I mean, if you're if you're I mean, I hate, I used to hate the word cathedral, but I think it's such a perfect description of, of what we're facing. And if, if you're sitting in the cathedral, if, if you're, if you're one of the, one of the, you know, the dark overlords that's sitting in one of the towers, um, you can see why comedy is such a threat because it undermines your power. I mean, with just one quick punchline, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it just undermines your power and people don't take you seriously. And all of a sudden you're the object of ridicule and mockery. Um, uh, yeah. And so you can see why, <clears throat> especially comedians uh, have been so targeted um, in this new environment, uh, you know, and, and it's a shame too, because uh, I've, I've always been a, a, a stand-up comic fan. I've always, I've always, been really entertained and, and, you know, I like edgy humor, uh, but that's the kind of stuff that's, that's really under the microscope now. And, and uh, you know, this cancel culture is just, it's out of control. It, it really is. I mean, them, them being the cathedral, uh, the powers that be, whatever you call them, Klaus Schwab and his little goons, you know, um, once you see that side attacking themselves, such as, you know, going after Joe Rogan, uh, Joe Rogan's, you know, uh, left leaning center centrist, you know, and no way is he a, a white supremacist racist, you know, all, all these terrible things they've been trying to sling at him. And it, it's, it, it's interesting watching, you know, the, the snake eat its own tail. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, these are, these are people, if, if, if the left would just listen to Joe Rogan, I mean, and listen to Joe Rogan the way he was, you know, pre-pandemic, especially, um, you know, it, it just goes to kind of, you know, he's one of the, he, he was one of them. And this is what I was talking about earlier, that realignment, 
of, you know, yeah, you know, Joe Rogan, you know, for the most, you know, he believes in a welfare state. He believes, you know, he believes in a lot, you know, he wants, you know, health care for all, you know, government health care for all. He's, he's, he's espoused those things. He was, he, he, uh, talks about how he was going to, um, vote for Bernie. And, uh, so he's, he's definitely, you know, left center. Um, but he doesn't toe the line, you know, he is, he is pro second amendment, you know, he, he does support gun rights. Um, he is more liberty minded when it comes to a lot of things. And, and, and when it came to COVID, he was, he was, you know, on the wrong side of their line for that. And those are like the, un, you know, you know, really almost anything is an unforgivable sin when we've gotten so polarized and, um, you know, and you step out of line and you're, you're not part of the club anymore. Uh, yeah. must, it's, it's just, I, I remember there was a, I don't remember who put out the list, but it was like this, this list of supposedly right wingers and there, you know, Joe Rogan was on it. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, Eric Weinstein, I think, was on it. Oh, wow. It's like, are you kidding? No. Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, what makes what makes somebody right wing? They're against the COVID regime. And that's yeah. it. Well, all right. I guess. That's a pretty low bar. Right. <laughs> right. Like, right. I, I had seen a uh, one, one of these uh, political diagrams, and it was, it was on Reddit. And... Once again, I, I don't know if it was supposed to be satire, um, if it was, you know, uh, not ironic, then I wouldn't be surprised. But it, it had uh, Karl Marx, Lenin, and Stalin as centrist. Wow. And and anything right of them was far right. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, something. I had friends who like, you know, they just, they would call themselves center left. And um, this is even, this is even, this is even pre-pandemic. This is going back, you know, multiple years. And it seemed like every year they would still call themselves, I'm, I'm in the center. I'm in the center. You know, I'm a centrist. Yeah, um, I'm a moderate. And I would ask them, is there, can you name me one thing that you disagree with about the Democratic Party? Can you name one Democrat who, you know, you have a problem with? And, you know, of course, they'd, they'd point to people like Manchin. I guess, I guess back then it was uh, like Lieberman or, or you know, some someone like that. They, they would say, yeah, you know, that. But I'm like, okay, just like take the Democratic plank, of the, you know, their platform and just is there any one thing that you disagree with? And of course there wasn't. And I was like, okay, but you're a centrist, huh? Yeah. Uh, the center is just moving, you know, the center's just gliding, you know, further <laughs> and further left. Yeah. It's that, that Overton window, you know, yeah. and uh, right. I, I just find it kind of interesting because the, the boogeyman right now is the extreme right. And it's like, I, I, am unaware of a uprising, uh, a massive uprising of extreme right since the forties. So, right. uh, I mean, there, there was also uh, extreme left at that time too, you know, look at Mussolini. Um, sure. 
I, I, I don't see a mass uprising of uh, extreme right. Uh, the, there's like, what, 10 Klansmen left in the country? <laughs> right. <laughs> you right know? Yeah. And their, their numbers are dwindling every year. And, and somehow, hide. yeah. They hide. They don't yeah. come out. They don't, they don't do marches anymore. No. Uh, they hide. They can't tell people. And, and if you think about it, they've always had to hide. They've always had to wear the stupid mask because they know if people knew who they were, they'd be ostracized out of decent society. And, you think that would tip them off. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, if you have to hide, if you have to hide the way you believe, then then obviously your beliefs are not part of the the overall culture. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're not a racist society because racists have to hide who they are because if they get found out, uh, they're canceled and they lose their job. They, you know. It's there's hell to pay. lose their family, lose friends. Right. right. Yeah. Right. It's, and, and rightly so. Right. You know, it's, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad it's that way. Uh, but you know, to, to be so tone deaf as to say, Oh no, no, no. It's, you know, it's still just all white supremacy and we have a racist culture and you know, the United you know, America is just so terrible because we're so racist. I don't know. A lot of times I think people who say, who say that, I don't know if they've gone to other countries because um, yeah. I mean, you can find, you go to China, you go to some other places and you can, you can find uh, a lot deeper or uh, more prevalent uh, racism. And this isn't to say that there aren't individual racists out there. Obviously there are, obviously yeah. there are, but as far as like a systemic, like it's, it's just, you know, everybody, you know, just a majority of people feel this way. Uh, I, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Um, yeah. So the, or of course, over the past two years, um, especially since I have been a part of Clubhouse, I, I have met more racist people on Clubhouse than almost anywhere. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. Um and, uh, you know, not, I, I would say a majority, at least through my experience, were not white racist people. <laughs> so, oh, really? yeah, I've, I've been called a lot of really terrible things just because of the color of my skin. Um, of course, I'm not a snowflake. So it's like, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, sure. the, the, the term, uh, I, this is another word that I find interesting is uh, calling somebody a racist. It's like, if you are racist, you're not going to care. You're going to say, yeah, so. Right, yeah. So I, I do find it kind of interesting as a uh, a weapon, you know, words as weapons. Um, right. And that, that happens so much. Uh, that, that was actually one of the first things I talked about on my podcast was, you know, language. And it shapes everything. Um, yeah. The people always want to say, Oh, you're just arguing semantics. And it's like, but semantics is everything. Oh, yeah. that, that's how we distinguish one thing from another. It's, so it's actually really important. We uh, use words correctly. Um, I, I do view that as one of the biggest uh, hurdles we have currently is uh, the abuse and manipulation of language. And it, it's, 
manifesting physically into the world now. And it's a really ugly world because of it. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, words have to have meaning. Otherwise, it, it's just it's just absolute chaos and just random. I mean, not anarchy because I want anarchy, yeah. but it's just <laughs> it's just it's just chaos. If if words don't have meaning, or if the meaning of words just change based on what fits the narrative, you know, just you know. Uh, people who value freedom of speech and people who value their freedom are now terrorists. Yeah. Right. And, and the word terrorist has come to be redefined and uh, that's, that's yeah. That, and that's one of, that's one of the things, you know, you say you're, you're white pilled about a lot of things. That's one of the things that really, uh, that, for me, that's a that's one of the biggest black pills is just how agreed, how language has been hijacked, and just, you know, just, it's like 1984, just, and, and how many people go along with it? And mm -hmm. it just seems to, yeah, that's, that's the, the biggest disappointment to me. Um, is it's just, you know, like you were saying earlier, how many people just gave up their freedom? How many people just roll over and accept these new definitions? Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that just yeah, really, really bumps me out. Yeah, right. And it's interesting too, because it's, it's certain communities um, and not just the communities, but specific provocateurs within the communities. Um, I see it on the right, the left. I, I see it all over the place. Um, there, there's bad actors on all sides. Um, so I had actually had that uh, interview with uh, Ryan uh, or Lady Maga and okay. Of course, he had a very interesting perspective. Uh, he he's a uh, gay drag artist, and uh, because he supported Trump, he was kicked out of the community. Wow, which seems so strange to me. Yeah, like that's that's all that is required to be a part of the LGBT community is just you got to hate Trump. Like, I. I uh, got to grow your rank somehow, I guess, you know, but yeah, I guess. Well, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's like what we were talking about when things become this polarized, you, you step an inch out of line, well, you're not part of the club anymore. Get out of here. Yeah. And that's a shame. Uh, that's a real shame, but, um, you know, what yeah, can we do? That, that's, that's, that's the, that's the big question, right? Is how, yeah. how do we, how do we combat this? So, and I actually have a couple of theories about this. Uh, one of and one of my other big white pills is I recognize the 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 powers that be currently um, the uh, the mainstream uh, culture masquerading as counterculture because um, can't be both. So, right. Right. Um, I I I recognize this system as uh, designed to fail. There's no way that this could go on forever. Um, well, and I, I will backtrack on that just a little bit because there are certain people out there um, in high level positions making some decisions that affect everybody. Sure. 
And if they had their way, they it probably could last forever. You know, uh, you will own nothing and be happy about it. Right. Yeah. So it, it could. Um, I, I don't know. I just see too many people not taking it, though. It's just the vast majority of people are just not taking it. Yeah. And uh, so since, since we have, uh, uh, you know, convention season coming up and everything, of course, I've been doing research on voting demographics and uh, looking at different ways to run campaigns and promote it to people. And here in Weber County, I thought it was interesting because the two largest voter demographics in Weber County are Republicans and independents. I could, I could buy that. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was so interesting and they're only a sliver away from each other. Independents are uh, just, just a smidge smaller. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Um, most everyone is still just average, you know? Yeah. So you see things like, I don't know, some of these teachers segregating their students in school, um, which I, I'm sure you guys are ecstatic that you homeschool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was the best decision we've ever made. I mean, it's between all the, the CRT BS and all the, and all the, you know, the back and forth with the masking, with the closing down, the remote learning. I mean, that, that's been a real blessing for us is that we'd already been homeschooling for, gosh, I want to say like five years. And so it was just, we just kept going. I mean, it, yeah. you know, there were fewer, there were fewer trips to the museum, obviously, and, and things like that. So that was, that was a bit of a bummer, but, um, I know last last school year, um, we were uh, we were probably out more than any previous year. You know, we have yeah. like we're going to this arts academy. Uh, they had they were doing science club. They they do uh, this this ninja warrior gym that they go to. Uh, they they just yeah they were just out so much more than really any other year that we had, and they were they were interacting with other kids. Uh, so much more than they had before. Um, and it was great. Um, it was great. And, but it, it was interesting to juxtapose that at the same time that so many other families, it, they were just going through, you know, the most isolated, you know, school year that they'd ever gone through. And it was, it was terrible because yeah, there, there's an adjustment you have to make and, and the public school system did not handle it well. Yeah. Uh, they weren't able to navigate that successfully, um, which isn't which isn't a surprise because. Oh no, government program failing. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that, but then, you know, just when you say systems designed to fail, uh, one size fits all. I mean, when you when when everything is centered around going back to what you said earlier, fairness and equality, and making sure that every child is is given the same instruction is given the same, you know, has the same curriculum, everything like no that. No child left behind. Yeah. Right. No child left behind. I mean, I I've, I've made this analogy several times is imagine a shirt store, imagine a, a company that makes t-shirts and only makes medium sized t-shirts. Um, 
I mean, it's well, I'm out. <laughs> right, I'm definitely out. Uh, most people are not going to be happy with that. Yeah, and that's what you get. That's what you get with the public school system. Except now, imagine that you don't have a choice to go shirtless. You have to buy that shirt. Um, and be happy. <laughs> right, and uh, more than that, you have to buy your children that shirt and be happy with it. Well, of course, people are going to are going to argue and they're going to be resting. They're going to be, no, like if we're only going to have one size, then I want it to be a large. No, I want it to be a small. No, I want it to be two XL. You know, there's going to be, you know, everybody's going to be vying for this control of this, you know, one size fits all system rather than, Hey, you know what? Why don't we just let people choose what works best for them? Let them choose the size shirt that they, that they, that works best for them. Um, my kids, I have, I have three boys. Like I said, uh, we're always told that they look, that they look like almost exactly like each other, that they're spitting images of each other, but they have very different learning styles. And we, we had to take very different approaches with how we, uh, instruct each one of them, um, in, in different subjects, whether it be in, in history or math or, uh, you know, all these different things, you know, it's, it's, it's a different approach and that's yeah. that's what uh that's been the 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 great success of homeschooling is that you can tailor make your child's education experience um to your child and yeah. what works best for them instead of putting them into this basically just a factory i mean that's what the that's what the current public school system is based off of is it's basically a, a an assembly line factory yeah. where it's, yeah and it, it kills all creativity it, it, it yeah. kills all imagination and desire i i mean i'm a product of uh public schooling and i'll, I'll tell you i had a terrible time uh, I've, I've learned more outside of school than i ever did in school you know, i never got taught taxes i never got well actually i did get taught how to balance a checkbook like that really does me much now you know except for uh we we actually do pay our rent with a check um so (laughs) there you go so that's interesting um but yeah i I can't look back on any of my schooling years and honestly think that any of it was worth it you know i went to i went to a a, a, a good high school. I mean, a good public high school that, that, you know, according to all the, the you know, the testing measurements and everything like that was, was above average. Um, I can tell you, um, I hated, hated math, uh, because the teachers that I had made it so boring. And it wasn't until I went to, I was going to a community college um over the over a summer just to kind of get some get some you know basic credits out of the way and i was taking college algebra and the the professor was so passionate about it and was able to frame it in such a way that it was like oh you know what math is math is actually fun i actually found out i I like math and it was was the same thing with history history was such such a slog when I was going through public school. 
I didn't learn how much I loved history until well after, well, after even after I graduated college, it was, it was something I discovered in my thirties that I was like, wow, I really enjoy uh, reading and and learning the lessons of the past and, and, and what mistakes and achievements that our, that our civilization has gone through over the years and how, how we've progressed and the story of mankind. Uh, in public school, it was just, man, it was just, yeah, you got to memorize these, these names and dates so that you can, you can pass the, pass the test. Yeah. The, the state sanctioned piece of paper that says that you're right. employable, that you're right. yeah. a, a functioning person. Right. That seems incredibly Orwellian to me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you can't function in society without your tax stamp, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so it's so strange to me yeah yeah it it, it is um it, it's uh but you know I, I think that's that's one of the other white pills that's coming out of this is that i think there are a lot of parents who got who who were forced uh you know somewhat into into homeschooling and 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 dipping their toes in that water and they realized it's not that bad it's, yeah. it's really not. Um, well, you head yeah. down to Salt Lake County. I bet there'd be some parents down there that would argue. <laughs> oh, <sure>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one, one thing I'm, I'm actually curious, you might be more versed in this than I am. Um, what, what are some of the arguments against school choice? Uh, because that seems to be a big issue here in Utah. So the arguments against school choice are that if you, if you introduce some kind of voucher program where, you know, you don't like the school that, you know, the parents don't like the school that their child is in, they want to send them to uh, some other school, whether that be a public, another public school, or that be a private school or a charter school or, or wherever. Um, If the, if the funding is attached to the, to the child, the argument is, is that um, schools that are already having problems and that parents are not, happy with, uh, they're going to lose their funding because parents are going to pull them out. And so, um, that's the whole, so it's an anti-free market argument. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a, we've got to support the monopoly no matter what. I mean, it doesn't matter. Somebody please think of the children. (laughs) Right. Yeah. This is like Uh, Helen Lovejoy. Right. (laughs) Right. And the thing with the thing, the thing with school choice and I mean, ultimately, what I'd like to see is a, is a completely privatized education system. I think that would that would uh, that would improve quality and afford more opportunities, um, you know, all over the board. And what a free market, what a what a a privatized education system would do, you know, there's the, the, the backlash is like, oh. The poor teachers, you know, what are they going to do? They're, you know, and, and you know, look, uh, I have uh, people in my family, I have people in my I have, I have in-laws who are teachers and they're great teachers. And the thing is that in the privatized education market, great teachers are going to do really, really well. And be paid um, very, very oh, well yeah. for it. I mean, uh, there are um, one of the math uh curriculums that we use is called Matthew C. 
for our kids. And it, uh, you know, it was, it was started by a guy and he, he was, a, he was a math teacher and he decided, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to make my, my math curriculum and I'm going to sell it. And the guy is making a whole lot of money, a whole lot of money, much more than, than he would ever make. And the thing is, is that he's benefiting more children because, you know, thousands of people are buying this curriculum. And so, you know, he's, he's every year he's teaching more, way more than the 30, you know, you know, 25, 30, 40 kids that he could reach every year as a public school teacher, he's reaching thousands. Yeah. And so, you know, the teachers who are truly the best in their field are going to do great. They're going to, they're going to be, they're going to be, uh, you know, raking in the, the money. Um, well, they're they're going to be sought after. Uh, yeah. Every every parent's going to want the the prestige of their child being taught by ex teacher. You know, right? And and you have the you know you have the the above you know a little above average to the to the average teachers. Um, there's a place for them too because yeah, you know when these great teachers that you know they record their lectures and they do all that kind of stuff. There is still a place for the one-on-one, the personal, you know, in-person instruction. And that is, that is a role that those, that those teachers uh, can fill. And then there's, there's the teachers who aren't very good at their jobs. And yeah, you're right. Uh, They'll have to, they'll have to move on and do something else. Yeah. Um, Just like the, uh, the, you know, the, uh, oh, the, the horse buggy, Drivers had to yeah. find something else to do when the when the automobile took over. I'm sorry, that's the way that's the way things work. Yeah, uh, and so but, but that's how we progress, you know. Right, right. Those those resources can then be reallocated to a more productive line of uh, yeah, a more productive line of, of production, and they they can they can put their their energy and their time somewhere else uh, that is more valuable. Well, well, and that that kind of lends to the uh, uh, necessity is the mother of all invention, right? So, uh, I mean, we we ended slavery, um, which is just strictly speaking, from like a monetary uh, economic standpoint, is just a terrible model. Um, not to mention the the moral implications. Um, but as soon as that happened, there, there was a massive boom in the invention of, uh, farm equipment. Right. So, um, it kind of segue into, uh, it's actually one of my favorite arguments to use against people. Uh, if you get a chance, definitely use it. It's, uh, um, I don't know because that's always, you know, as uh, libertarians or, uh, and caps, uh, a- anyone who doesn't flow into the duopoly, it's always like, well, what about this? What about this? And it's always nitpicky. Uh, right. You have to have an answer for how everything's going to work in life. And it's like, I don't know. And I don't yeah. have to know. Yeah, that's that's the trap, right? Is is I need you, you know, if you're introducing something that breaks my paradigm. And so I want you to answer every single question. And the thing is, I think as as libertarians, as anarcho-capitalists, as you know, whatever, you know, people who are, as you said, arguing against the duopoly, we don't have to 
compare our solutions to some magical utopia. We just have to compare our solutions to what it is today. And quite frankly, in so many ways, what it is today, it's a low bar. Yeah. It's a low bar. I mean, when you talk about uh, even things like law enforcement, well, how would, how would a, how would a, a, a stateless uh, society uh, do law enforcement, you know, it'd be chaos and, and, and there'd be, there'd be crime all over the place and you know, be Chaz, but nationwide. <laughs> right. right. How, how does that, how does that compare to, to what we have right now? You know, um, we have monopoly again, it's a government monopoly, um, which rewards failure because, you know, in, in the, in the free market, if you fail, you go out of business. Yeah. And you don't and get the, bailed out. The, the resource, well, right. Yeah. And a free market, right. Yeah. An actual free market. You don't get bailed out. Um, and the resources that are still valuable, they get picked up by someone else and they get, they get used in a more yeah. productive way. Um, in the public, in the public sector, uh, if you fail, well, that just means that you, you just didn't have enough funding. We need to fund it more. You need to throw more money at it. Yeah, because that solves everything. We've done that for, you know, 30 years and, and the, the results still suck. Uh, Well, it's just because we're underfunded and you must just hate X, Y, or Z. You you must hate children or you must hate, uh, whoever, you know, pick your, pick your, uh, pick your victim, uh, demographic. You must hate them because you won't, you don't want to throw more money at it. Yeah. I mean, we, we spend the most, uh, per student out of any country in the world. And yet we still have some of the, uh, uh, unfavorably ranked education compared to so many other countries that do so much better with way less. Mm-hmm. And yeah. my, my personal opinion, uh, the so children uh have actually uh especially as i've gotten older and just paid more attention uh children of all ages really have proven to me that evil does exist in the world um and the reason why is because first of all anyone who attacks or uh uses children uh to further whatever agenda they have, whether it's, you know, political, social, or whatever. It's like some of these teachers. Uh, I actually had a teacher like that. Didn't care about teaching. And it was just some sort of a sick game, you know? Mm-hmm. And the reason why that uh, translates to uh, proving evil to me is the ability to actually and consciously do terrible things against children. It's just uh, like the, the department of education has completely failed. It, it just funnels money. Um, I had actually seen a screenshot or several screenshots of uh, some local school board members um, in different counties here in Utah and how much they were getting paid. Uh, some of them six, six figures. And that's, that's insane to me. Yeah. Um, 
it, it's uh, interesting. Somebody will take a paycheck uh, and put that above the the uh, betterment of society through children. Yeah, and nurture them and love them, and uh, you know, put them into situations that they'll excel. Pretty much like right. anyone, you know. Yeah. Um, I'd actually. Uh, I'm getting ready to release an episode uh, tomorrow. I'd actually interviewed uh, Thomas Fellows. He oh. he uh, is the host and owner, I, I guess, of the Colorado Ped Patrol YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he took it upon himself to start, um, and I say this loosely, hunting down pedophiles, Mm -hmm. exposing them. Yeah. Um, uh, We we live in a world where uh, a lot of uh, uh, police uh, or just law enforcement agencies just turn a blind eye. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's just really interesting. Uh, I I see a lot of just policy being made, uh, mask the children, uh, keep them in these schools, uh, don't look at any actual abuse going on. Like it, it, it all seems very evil to me. Yeah. Yeah. When children are, when children are, are political pawns and uh, I mean, it, that's, that's just the worst and, and nothing really irritates me more. Um, you know, I'm a good libertarian. I don't believe in the death penalty. Um, my one temptation, if, if, if you were to tell me, <laughs> No, you have you have to have a death penalty for at least one crime. It would be it would be uh, child predators. Yeah, um, I just I I don't. I mean, just my personal convictions. I don't have any any patience for them uh, whatsoever. Uh, uh, yeah. So it. Yeah, I, I agree. Just like you know, um, using children, abusing children. Um, not it's it's just so self-defeating i mean they're they're the future of our civilization and you know in in a you know it used to be that you know you you had incentives to treat you know especially like your, your own children better because they were the ones that would take care of you whenever you became too old and infirm to take yeah. care of yourself um and of course, the, you know, we're going to get a little too into my uh, my theories about how the state has destroyed a lot of the institutions um, that that we should have. Uh, the state, of course, with with Social Security and Medicare, um, it has. Oh, what a failure! <laughs> What's that? What a failure! Right, right. But the whole idea, I one of the ideas I think is that it it supplants that family institution. Um, to where, yeah, you know, I, I you know, um, I'm not going to be so dependent on my children, which sounds like a good thing, right? You don't want to, you don't want to be, you don't want to uh, be an albatross. You, you don't want to burden your your children, um, but it does, it does, it does, it does alter the incentive structure a little bit, yeah. and and that's something that I, I you know. I, I think about also like uh, just our morality overall. I mean, we're um, 
one of the worst things you can do, one of the, one of the things that you'll be judged harshly on is judging other people, is judging the actions of other people and saying, I condemn that. I think that is, that is an evil thing. You get jumped on for, for being judgy. Yeah. People will judge you for judging. And um, my personal, my personal conviction is that a, a, a bedrock of our civilization is the is the ability of individuals to look at the, the actions of other people and say, yeah, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. And I don't want to be associated with that. And I think I don't want to have any part of that. And, and I think as the state has criminalized more and more things, um, I think what you see is that it's, it's easier for people to just abdicate their moral, um, that moral sense of right and wrong and just say, well, I'll let the state do it. It's easier for them to, to, to define what's right and wrong. And, and, and if, if, it, if it's bad enough, then it'll be illegal. And if it's not illegal, then it's, it's probably fine. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the claim that uh, laws somehow equal morality. Yeah. Um, that's insane. You can't legislate morality, you know? Well, I, I, think, I think honestly, any law is legislating morality. Yeah. Okay. That's, it, it is. That's a it fair is. statement. And you know, if, if, if we have a law against stealing things, that's, that's a, that's a moral statement. We're saying, no, you can't steal things in our, in our society. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, a collective moral statement. Right. right. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, is that, I mean, if you, if you whittle it down to that, just the thing that the things that we all pretty much agree on, uh, the fact is, is that the, 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 the criminal, the criminal code would be like two pages long, right? It's don't commit violence against other people. Don't steal things and don't, uh, commit fraud. Yeah. And, and other than those three things, are there, is, is there any, really anything that needs to be outlawed that harms other people? Uh. I, I wouldn't think so. And I've actually asked myself that question. Um, I, I guess, you know, there could be an argument made uh, to it. At which extent does somebody's personal choices end up negatively affecting somebody else? And right. what, what comes to mind is like uh, a family who's a, an addict of whatever kind. Right. Um, Obviously, they're not in or uh, outwardly trying to harm somebody, um, but try having a family member who's an addict and an yeah. addict of anything, right? And uh, it it harms the family. So, I think there could be an argument made, maybe in either direction. I I don't think that argument's ever going to be solved, though. Uh, it's yeah, and I, I think I think with addiction, I mean, I I honestly think that. Addiction is a medical problem, and it's something Most that, that should be treated that way. I mean, we're, we're not going to we're not going to legislate our way out of people being addicted to things. Uh, those are those are chemical or or psychological or you know people 
um, self-medicating, you know, th th those are, those are things that really belong in a medical setting, not in a court of law. Well, and also a family setting. Right. You know, uh, I, I find it interesting. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of family, um, the nuclear family. Um, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sold that, you know, it has to be a man and a woman. Um, I do right. recognize, uh, scientifically, um, the benefits of that. However, I do believe a loving home is a loving home. Absolutely. You know, uh, a, a child is better off in a, uh, loving gay family versus a neglectful and abusive straight family. So, 100%. But I do find it interesting that there are just there there's certain things like that, like family that has tied civilization together for so long. And now these things are looked down upon. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I'm I'm a little bit younger than you, and I, I can tell you uh within my generation, um I know more people, more more uh young females around my age that I went to school with and just know from, you know, knowing kids that grew up to be what I would consider to be kind of degenerate. Um, you know, look at only fans, hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, do I inherently think that it's well, okay. Porn is a bad choice. Cause yes, I do agree that it is inherently uh, negative and it doesn't serve any purpose other than to uh, cause harm. Uh, but that's my personal opinion. Sure. Um, but I do just find it interesting uh, why the sudden spike in this. Why why is it viewed glamorously, um, whereas in 20 years ago it wasn't? Right. Um, it brings up another one of my favorite words is uh, normalize. <laughs> we need to normalize yeah. these things. Right. No, we don't. No, 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 we don't. There is there is a big difference between wanting something to be illegal and wanting to throw somebody into a cage with murderers and rapists yeah. uh, for 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 doing something that may may be harmful to themselves and may indirectly harm other people. But um, and and then also saying, well, that's not that's not a prudent way to behave. That's not a prudent way to live your life. Um, and there was something that Jeff Dice said one time uh, that, that really struck me um, because I'm, I'm a libertarian and I, I, you know, if, if, if you want to live a certain way, as long as you're not hurting other people, do it. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want to subsidize it. Yeah. And and he was making he was making an interesting point that if social conservatives would take a second to think about it, libertarianism is actually their true calling. Yeah, because it is it is all these all these things that the state all these uh, different lifestyles and and different uh, things that, that that like you're talking about that the state either directly or indirectly subsidizes. If all those go go away, then suddenly the incentives to live a more 
you know, prudent or wise, uh, you know, to, to, to have a, yeah, to use more wisdom and prudence in your, in your, in your day-to-day life and the, the decisions you make about your life, all of a sudden those incentives are back. And, and if we know anything is that people respond to incentives, incentives yeah. work. And, and I think that's a lot of what the state has done. A lot of what the government has done is just destroy incentives and set up perverse incentives. Yeah. Well, it, the the way I viewed it, it's kind of interesting. So government inherently is a, a, a system that ends up needing you more than you need it. And so it seems to me that we, uh, well, probably since Lincoln have been down this path uh, in this country where the organization known as the government creates problems. So there's still a need for them. Oh, sure. It's, yeah. uh, <clears throat> I mean, if, if there's not fatherless homes, then, you know, how are we going to send out food stamps and, you know, universal basic income and, um, you know, free healthcare and all these other things, um, which if the family wasn't destroyed or my favorite thing, one of the biggest missing puzzle pieces in our society uh, that I think could actually save quite a bit is shame. It's just shame. It's some, some people need to be shamed. Um, That doesn't mean that you uh, abusively shame people. Sure. But there's some things in life that are shameful and you should feel bad for doing them. And just this, uh, uh, like hippie free love, like everything's all right. You're perfect. Just the way you are thing is, is so detrimental. And, uh, yeah, it it's takes lazy. away from like it takes away from like self improvement. Like you know, if if you're perfect the way you are, then why why uh, why strive to improve? Yeah, and and I think I think we should all be striving to improve in in different areas of our life all the time. That's to me that's kind of the point. Yeah, is, is to keep improving, keep you know, learn something new, uh, uh, help somebody. You know, you know, uh, yeah, uh, just yeah, just improve. Uh, what you were saying, it, it kind of reminded me of this uh, great meme I saw one time, and it was like, um, every every life has a purpose. Sometimes that purpose is to be a cautionary tale for others. Yeah, and it's yeah. I mean, that goes back to what I was saying. I mean, people who live unwisely and imprudently. Uh, a lot of times they get bailed out uh, by the government. And so the effects are minimized. And so the, the, the lesson, the general deterrent that should come about if that person had faced the, the full consequences of their actions, uh, that lesson doesn't really get learned um, at large. You know, there's not, there's, yeah. there's, there's no mother's, you know, cautioning their children, oh, don't be, you know, don't be like Timmy down the way. You saw, you know, <laughs> you saw how he acted and you see what, no. you see what has become of him. So don't be like him, you know, and yeah. And it's not that no. I want Timmy to suffer. 
it's that you know <laughs> as a as a parent i believe in natural consequences and uh, yeah well and to to tell such a lie like that especially to children uh in my opinion it seems incredibly insulting uh you're taking away somebody's agency and you're influencing it and maybe it ends up well most likely it's not going to right and that, that's one of the most precious things we have is our uh, ability to make our own choices sure so so one one question um we'll we'll get wrapping up here but definitely something i wanted to ask you about was so at least from my perspective i definitely see a uh, a society in general at large uh, that has largely become uh, morally bankrupt and well, yeah, I'll just leave it at that morally bankrupt. Uh, One thing that drew me to libertarianism, especially when I was younger was that the the, the personal responsibility. Um, So my question is, is since uh, libertarianism basically is the, uh, uh, with great power comes great responsibility mm-hmm. aspect of life. How do we actually push that to sound attractive in this day and age? That's 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 a real tough one, um, because I think there are a a considerable number of people who who like the idea of I can do what I want, and nanny state's going to be here to take care of me, and. I have, I have that safety net, no matter what I do. Um, I do think, I do think that there are a lot of people, and I don't know if it's most, uh, but I think there's a significant number of people who still, um, value, uh, achievement and value making it on their own. And um, I I think we need to encourage that. And I I think the earlier we can, and, and, you know, this is kind of something, you know, both being, uh, you know, county chairs. uh, One thing that I want to try to really focus on is getting to high schools and getting into colleges. And like, if they have like a civics day and just coming and say, this is what libertarianism is. And it's that, you know, you need to, uh, you know, take care of yourself and you need to, you need to, you know, uh, work your, you know, work your hardest, you know, work your hardest, provide value for other people, uh, be your best person. But with that comes, with, with that comes freedom and independence. And, and there is no freedom without independence. If you're, if you're dependent on any entity, whether it be your parents or whether it be a state, um, you won't be free. And that freedom has, has a cost and you have to have that responsibility. But if you have that responsibility, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's really what being an adult is all about. Um, and so I, I think the earlier we can get in and, and, and push that message of, of freedom. Cause 
I mean, you, you look at kids today. I mean, don't get me started. <laughs> well, and, and they're just they're just in these institutions, and they're they're controlled. They're controlled and and largely uh, lost. I would say, uh, like yeah. without without purpose. Right. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons why people like Jordan Peterson have been so attractive to people, to, to, you know, uh, young men in particular, but also, also, also young women is, is that his message is just like, take responsibility for yourself. Clean up your room. Clean up your room. Be in control of your life. Stop waiting for mommy to come around and do it for you. Just do it. So one thing I truly believe that the uh, personal responsibility is actually very attractive. Um, You just, I I think the challenge is is showing people why. Yeah. And, and really it, it only comes from experiencing it. Um, I, I had worked on a farm for several years and got my hands dirty and was out in the sun a lot and sweated a lot and, you know, it wasn't pleasant all the time. Um, I had also grown up with, uh, you know, a, a ranch in the family and hard work was always the basis of everything. Oh, yeah. Um, so being exposed to that and actually doing something, there, there's just no better feeling. Um, so I, I think it's just one of those situations, you know, we, we need to shove people in that direction and have them experience it and hopefully break out of the matrix from that uh realizing that being spoon-fed and ending up in a motorized wheelchair that takes care of everything in your life uh that was uh uh, funded by taxpayer money is probably not the best way to go right right and like you i i I grew up, my, my grandfather had a farm. We were out, we were out there almost every weekend, um, whether it be baling hay, building fences, tending to livestock. It was, it was a lot of hard work. Um, I'll be honest, as a kid, I didn't like it. Uh, when, when my dad <laughs> said, Hey, we're, we're, we're going to work on the farm this weekend. I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> just want to hang out with my friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that work ethic that it instilled in me, has served me greatly and it 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 made me appreciate accomplishment and i think accomplishment that sense of accomplishment and that sense of achievement it's addicting i mean it, it you, is if you you get it you feel good i mean you get that endorphin rush it's just it's 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 great and and i think that's what a lot of kids need is that feeling of achievement um they need to get they need to get addicted to that. That's yeah. that's what we should be trying to hook our kids on is achievement and that feeling because they're going to chase it. And the more they chase it, I think the better off we're going to be as a society. I agree. Um, I, I, I think it's interesting that I, obviously this is not a quick fix. No. I mean, it, it took us a long time to get to where we are now. Uh, the last two years aren't representative. Uh, that, that was just a slip down the mud. Right. Sided hill. Um, yeah. So not representative, but in general, it, it took us a long time to get here. And I think it's going to take a long time to get back. 
Yeah. And, and it all starts in the home. Um, regardless of who you are, what you are, anything is you build that strong family backbone and, uh, you try your best, you don't give up, you know, it's so, I don't know. It's, it's just interesting because, uh, all of these easy outlets, like, uh, we can just do nothing. We can play on our phones and you get a little bit older. Oh, let's just do some drugs and drink on the weekend and just not have any responsibility at all. Right. And I mean, watch hop on TikTok for just three, four minutes and it's a nightmare. Yeah, I'm I'm unlucky. I'm I'm uh I'm I'm of a generation that TikTok just holds no appeal for me whatsoever. Me I do too, I, luckily. I think I've been on that. I think I've been on that. I think I've been on TikTok one time for work because I needed to uh check out the security uh ramifications of allowing it on our network um and that was the only time i was on it i saw what it was all about and i was like yep this is definitely my cue that i'm i'm getting old (laughs) they don't make these kind of things for me anymore yeah so yeah no it's it looks like a train wreck i I don't know might might be a good uh marketing ploy for the lp though it very well could if if we could if we could harness somebody who knew how to use the platform right then it could be very successful so right. I, I i would say uh you know you and i are probably the the, the better ones at twitter you know as as far as at least the the more localized uh you know group of the lp here in utah right yeah. um so and I, i'll i'll admit i don't know the platform super well um yeah but yeah, it's, it's just really interesting. Um, I had somebody propose to me the, the idea of just kind of playing dirty, you know, uh, in, in the sense is that, that we're going to have to use these weapons that were used against all of us. Yeah. And on that, I, I would like to say, I think the end goal, it really is decentralization. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the obviously ultimate decentralization is down to the individual level, right? Yeah. Um, I I don't think that's that's coming in our lifetime, um, but as close to it as we can possibly get, every every modicum of governance should be, you know, if if it can't be at the individual level, then within the family. If it can't be within the family, then it should be within the neighborhood or it should be within, you know, your municipality. Um, there should be very, very little that's left up to even state governments. Um, and to the extent that there's a national government, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, everything should be taken care of by the time it gets to that point. So right. there should just be no need. Right. Right. And so I consider myself what I would, what I would call a conservative anarchist. Um, like I'm, I, I don't think that we just turn off the light and and you know just the the state disappears one day and everything's better. Um, I think that would be better than than keeping it going forever. Uh, Had, but, hashtag I, gridlock twenty twenty four. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. 
But at the same time, I'm kind of like, um, you know, I, I'd rather see a, a gradual dissolution of the state where we're, we're you know, we're, we're taking, we're localizing and decentralizing and putting political power down to the lowest common denominator that we can. Um, uh, because again, and that when you do that, it gives, you know, for, for people who are big fans of democracy, it makes your vote much more powerful. Because if the power is in my city government, if the power to, to affect everyday life is in my city government, my vote counts more for city government than it does at the state, at the county or the state, and especially the national level where my vote is... is Non-existent? Mathematically, <laughs> like, just almost zero. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, the more we can decentralize, the more I think it's going to be healthy for democracy, for those people who are, who really, really love their democracy. And I think the more it's going to, the, the better it's going to be for uh, freedom and individual liberties. So I, I think we'll end on this, but I, I did want to end on um, two of my last favorite words I wanted to mention, um, diversity and inclusion. Okay. Those are my, and, and by love, I mean, I hate these words. <laughs> Um, at least in the way that they have been weaponized. Yeah. So I, I'm actually a massive fan of diversity. Me too. The, the, the thing is about diversity, at least in the way that I see it, is that diversity happens naturally. It's uh, just such as anarchy. It's the natural order of things. Right. And so, you know, that kind of makes me question my, uh, my, my views of nationalism a little bit, you know, uh, I, I, I would find the world so boring if we were all the same and there were no borders. Oh, sure. Uh, so I, I'm actually not an open borders libertarian and it's purely because of the cultural differences. Plain and simple. Um, I don't necessarily think they should be, uh, enforced or uh, guarded necessarily the way it's structured. I would like to see more of a, uh, you know, local militia, uh, you know, watch, you know, stand guard, sure. kind of the responsibility that we should all have anyways. Yeah. Um, but just the cultural differences alone um, is incredible to me. And I would actually like to be able to go somewhere and have it be different than where I'm from. And I, sure. I don't see necessarily, uh, of course, the, the, the lines are, are definitely fictional, but the, it's one of the most uh, important fictional things that we have. Um, I don't necessarily believe that it's uh, something to be conquested after, though, um, like most war hawks or, you know, neocons anything you know pick your poison right what's disturbing to me is the the forced diversity so oh, yeah. uh, that to me seems more sexist more racist than it, anything else right because you're saying you have a you have an ideal of what of what it should look like and we need to make it look like that 
And it doesn't mean like, you know, let's, let's talk about like the workplace. It doesn't mean we go get the best candidate for a particular position. We need to get someone who's going to make our picture look the yeah. way we think it should look. Our Christmas card. It's... That's, I mean, that's, that's skin deep. I mean, it's so shallow. It's, yeah. It's kind of disgusting. Um, yeah, it is. You know, I, I I probably differ from you a little bit on the border issue. Um, I I think open borders could be fine, but we have so many perverse incentives that are set up right now that we need to unwind first. Hundred um, percent agree. We got to get rid of the warfare state. We got to get rid of the welfare state. We got to get rid of the war on drugs. Because those three things are the things that, those are the things that set up the bad incentives for illegal immigration or, uh, you know, undocumented immigration or however you want to put it. Um, if the only incentive to come here is that you want to work and you want to provide value and you want to make a better life for your for your family, I'm all about it. Come on in. We need yeah. more of those people. And at that point, I've always made the joke. Then we can then we can start deporting people who are who are native to the United States and <laughs> rid of those people who are who are you know kind of they don't want to do that. They don't want to provide value. They just want to kind of suck off the system. Uh, yeah. yeah, those are the people that yeah I don't have any you know maybe maybe those are the people who can uh, go live somewhere else. You um, know I'm I, I'm actually a. Uh, a Honestly, at this point, I don't care if this violates the NAP, but uh, I'm I'm all for swapping Cubans for Antifa members. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's where they want to live. We'll bring the Cubans here that want to live here. I can see. I don't even know that it would be a NAP violation. I'm I'm sure you, I'm sure you can find a lot of consenting people yeah. <laughs> on both sides. I'm sure you can find a lot of Cubans who want to come over here uh, without having to you know, float on a tire across shark infested waters. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you can find lots of Antifa guys who think that, that Cuba is just going to be, that's going to be the shit, right? Yeah. So, you, you just got to pry them out of their broken down car out of Portland. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. They've set up their kingdom. Yeah, exactly. Well, on that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, that, that was a lot of great fun. Uh, definitely going to have you on again, uh, especially as I start doing more and more of these live streams. Yeah, this, um, was, this was lots of fun. Yeah, I've never definitely. done a live stream. This this was this was a great first experience for me. I, I thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, luckily, here in Utah, we we have a uh, you know a, a few people, uh, including myself, you know, trying this podcast thing uh, after listening to the the people here. Uh, Reed Coverdale not included because he's leaving us. Um, yeah, yeah, sad Utah noises. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, there there's a a, a lot of really great people um, coming out of here uh, that will add to this uh, discussion, which will ultimately in turn help move the Overton window back. Yeah. And yeah. even just throwing this out to the matrix, it's one step closer. So. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If, 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 you know, if, if we convince, 
if we convince just one or two people and they convince one or two people, I mean, we start, we start clawing our way back. I mean, we, uh, we're pretty familiar with uh, brush fire here in Utah. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's what we need to model ourselves after. But let's, let's be the spark. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Uh, everyone watching, uh, thanks for making it to this point. Uh, go ahead and check us out at uh, rise to liberty.com. Check out the merch at rise to liberty.store. And uh, for anything way too spicy for any other platform, feel free to go over to rise to liberty.com slash free speech and join the telegram group. And until next time, stay free, my friends.